This is a podcast from Rover. All right, a bit of politics for you now. The uh, opposition leader is Christopher Luxon. Geez, you're becoming a bit of a regular on the show, Christopher. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, mate. How are you getting on? Not too bad. I watched the rural issues debate, and I understand it. Your people tell me that you didn't get a chance yet to uh, to to have a look at it. Did you see the economic one, or have you heard anything about that one in Queenstown? Well, I watched the Queenstown one, and I'd spoken to uh, Todd McClay yesterday because we were together doing a further sort of primary sector growth plan announcement, and. Uh, he was looking forward to it, and I heard some very good reports after it. So um, I know he was really looking forward to it. And uh, I saw Todd also talk at the Meat uh, Industry uh, event as well, and he, he did a brilliant job there too. So, um, look, we, you, you know the deal. We are right behind our farmers, and we need to be more so than ever before because the country's uh, not doing well economically. It's not growing. And I've got to tell you, it's got to start on the farm. It's got to start with the uh, primary industry sector leading us out of it. Well, it certainly does have to start on the farm. Um, that uh, debate last night was actually very interesting because I thought that it showed the different approaches to agriculture from all of the parties presented. There were clear delineation lines, if you like, of to, as to where people stand and parties stand at the moment. Of course, one of the big ones was the National Party water policy. Run us through that in terms of how you think that's actually going to cut the red tape. Yeah, well, I mean, you know already we've talked about the 19 actions we want to do to get get rid of the regulation and get farmers back to farming. We've talked about the biotech and, uh, and technologies and how we make use of that, and we've talked about our approach to agricultural emissions too. But yesterday what Todd and I were saying was, look, there's also a whole bunch of other irritants that are just slowing everything down. And when you think about making water storage on farmland a permitted activity, you know, what we're saying is we still need farmers to take, you know, get a consent to take water from a river or a lake, but you don't need a separate consent on top of that to actually build a water storage, storage pond on land. And you know, that's a rule that actually doesn't have a purpose, and it's a good example to me of what I call red tape. You know, bureaucracy and a regulation that actually not have it has a benefit. So, you know, and I've spoken to farmers about this a lot, and they've often spent years and 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 hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, even actually in a consenting process for something that actually we're saying, look, that should be a permissible activity. You don't need to get a separate consent on top of that. Let's just get on and build water storage ponds on land. Uh, and if they want to do that in a scheme or however they want to do it, uh, let's get them get on and get it done. And, um, yeah, so that was what we're trying to do. Yesterday we also talked about just saying, you know, for the growers out there that are listening, just, you know, make fruit and vegetable production a permitted activity as well. So, you know, we've got a, you know, we've got really high vegetable prices, as you well know, but that would be a, a message to actually plant uh, and to grow more, more vegetables. Uh, and so what we're saying is, look, we don't need consents to produce uh, more food, uh, and we certainly don't need to have consents uh, for actually maintaining the level of food production in those, in those, in those farms as well. So, you know, it's just, just getting through some of the stuff. We don't want farmers to have consent, resource consents to create new wetlands on their land. They shouldn't have to spend thousands of dollars to get a consent to create a wetland, which delivers a huge range of environmental benefits and biodiversity benefits. So we're going to limit the, eliminate the consents to create new wetlands. And then we're also going to increase the penalties for biosecurity breaches as well, which is entirely appropriate. Yeah, I like the wetlands one. I see when it comes to the vegetables, Vegetables New Zealand have come out in support of your policy here in terms of irrigation. Vanessa Winning from Irrigation New Zealand, she's been talking about a national water storage policy. Um, and I guess this is one step in that direction. Where do you stand on an actual national strategy in regards to water storage? She's been of the opinion for a very long time that it's absolutely crucial. 
Yeah, I am too. I think it's actually about water security is actually the way to frame it uh, and think about it in those terms. We'll have more to say specific, specifically about fresh water because it's actually got a bit broader than just you know agriculture or primary industries. It's actually a broader environmental piece. But yes, I think that's right. I mean, we we're capturing you know and storing less than ten percent of the water that we have in this country. So you know, I think we need to say, look, if we can get you know even even just be able to put these water storage ponds on land, you know, and be able to take water at a time when it's abundancy uh, and when you need it and, and scarcity, it's all just good, sensible, common sense stuff. And I just think that's what this country needs is a good dose of common sense, practical, pragmatic things that solve problems and remove obstacles for people. Um, We want farmers to get on with farming because we need the sector to be growing and we need to be backing it uh, because, um, you know, it's at the heart of what we need to do to get the country moving forward again. So, you know, all of this stuff is, you know, these are things that, you know, with Todd and I going around the country talking to farmers over the last six months, these are the kinds of practical things that they tell us would help and make a difference. And that's the way it should be. We don't need someone in Wellington and the bureaucracy telling us what we can and can't do like this. In relation to that water storage uh, and in terms of the practical and pragmatic steps that you've uh, just talked about, I mean, farmers down the road, if someone decides to, you know, do something like this on their farm and things like that, and of course they don't have to get the consent, I mean, you're going to be relying, I guess, to a large degree on, you know, um, I guess neighbouring properties to some extent coming together uh, and forming some sort of uh, handshake agreement, I suppose? Yeah, look, I think there'll be quite a lot of farmers coming together in the schemes, as we've seen. I mean, I was out at Kerwee yesterday, um, you know, in Canterbury, and it was great to see the, the water scheme that they've created uh, there as well. And, you know, there was quite quite a lot of excitement around actually, you know, being able to avoid separate consents for water storage ponds on land. But I imagine that's how it's going to go down, um, and they'll be able to work that out. But, you know, I trust the farmers to sort it out. I trust them to be able to come together uh, and be, be practical and, and reasonable about it all. Uh, and get on with it. Um, but what I don't want them doing is spending years in the freaking process with councils, um, spending lots of money trying to get a consent just to build a water storage pond on land. You know, that just is insane. So uh, we've got to we've got to unblock these things and, and get rid of these irritants and these impediments to actually growing this growing the sector and more importantly growing the economy in this country. The noose around your neck at the moment seems to be uh, this foreign buyers tax, right? So there's been this analysis, you'll be all over this, but for just people listening, mm. uh, these independent economists, they reckon there's a $450 million shortfall from the $740 million uh, annual tax revenue. What, what's your take on that? Because that seems to be something that's recurring, and we spoke about it two weeks ago, and it seems to be the one that's the little niggly one that's not going away, maybe not so little. Yeah, look, I just say to you, look, you know, the genius of this idea is quite simply saying, look, if you're a wealthy foreigner and you want to buy a luxury home in New Zealand in excess of $2 million, these are homes, not farms, remember, all the normal sensitivity tests remain, uh, we're going to charge you 15% tax for that. That's done in many other countries around the world. And more importantly, we're going to take that money off those people and we're going to give it straight to lower middle income workers. Many of them are workers on, on the farms that you are listening today because they've got good jobs, you know, average incomes, they're slogging their guts out, they get paying their taxes, getting their kids to school, doing everything right, still can't get ahead. And what I've said is I'm on the side of working people and the squeeze middle, and so they need to get that tax relief. And so, you know, I get it. You know, the Labor government would love to have this policy because they purported to represent working people and they haven't done anything for them. And so, um, look, it's a, it's a really great policy. We've gone through, we've independently I had it reviewed by economists, We've actually released our legal advice around the door. Uh, we've prepared a 30-page document that actually details all our costings. Um, so, look, I mean, it's just politics, frankly, at this point. Um, economists will have lots of different opinions and views. 
But just remember, many of our economists in New Zealand didn't pick we'd be in recession, didn't pick that we'd have inflation sitting around for as long as we have, and we do. So uh, I'm incredibly confident, absolutely rock solid on the numbers. Um, it's important we get this done. And what we're doing is we're going to give people tax relief by saving wasteful money, wasteful spending, and, and raising new revenue in this way. One more thing for you, and it's slightly broad brush, but uh, the debate last night, Damien O'Connor brought it up, and I think it resonated with people, and that is the relevancy for New Zealand in the world food and fibre production sector going forward. We are actually a small player. There is a perception uh, that we might be resting on our laurels, potentially when you look at uh, what the Nestle's of the world are looking for. Uh, and if we, uh, his, his warning, it was almost like a warning uh, shot, you know, before, before he exits stage left, so to speak. Um, but it was along the lines of um, we might not be as comfortable as the perception might be on, you know, within our shores. I mean, as a broad picture, how do you see it? Yeah, look, I understand it well because I obviously worked at Unilever for 18 years, which with Nestle was the two biggest ice cream companies in the world and, and bought a lot of dairy products. So I understand where the multinationals are. But what I'd just say to you is, you know, actually bankrupting our farmers and, and sending a fifth of our sheep and beef farmers to the wall and to move that production offshore to less carbon-efficient farms and countries and at the same time make every New Zealander poorer, every man, woman and child poorer, is just a lose-lose scenario. So what we've said very clearly is, look, you've got to be able to get our farmers to stop doing the job with one hand behind their back and get them the tools and technologies to deal with it. Then you've got to give them the credit for all the brilliant stuff that they're doing around riparian planting, wetlands, all that good stuff, and they should get revenue for that. And then you'd introduce agricultural emissions pricing sensibly. Uh, but that will be used, I think, in the next coming decades as a, as a barrier for trade that other countries will throw up um, in order to, to throw into the mix. So I think uh, we've got a, a sequencing approach here that actually makes it sensible uh, and it actually will make sure that New Zealand's products and, uh, are well regarded around the world and, um, and that we are doing our bit. And so, um, you know, I, I hear that I understand the multinational view well, but I just put it to you that um, we are making progress. But you know, when you don't let um, things like Bovere or um, ryegrass that's less emissions, um, you know, it has lower levels of emissions, be available in New Zealand, those are all things that are helpful to our farmers that actually are positive steps to take the thing forward. So, you know, got to give them the technology tools, give them the credit for the good stuff they're doing, and then introducing a sensible emissions pricing policy later. Christopher Luxon, appreciate your time as always. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. You take care. Have a great day.